We meet today in Isaiah chapter 10, verse 1 to verse 34. This chapter talks about the judgment of Assyria after she executes God's judgment on Israel. We also see the great tribulation and the battle of Armageddon. Once again, I would like to remind you that this is a series of prophecies which began with chapter 7 and goes through chapter 12. They are prophecies which were given during the reign of Ahaz, the wicked king. On a black background, dark background, Isaiah gives his predictions, speaking into a local situation. But he also looks down through the edges of time to that day when God is going to set up his kingdom here on earth. The chapter opens with a brief discussion on the courts of that day. By the way, the injustices of the courts of the nation are reflected in the culture of the people and the chastisement of God. God will use the Assyrians to judge his people. And Assyria is a symbol of the future king of the north who shall come up against Emmanuel's land in the last days. The chapter concludes with the awesome picture of the approach of the enemy from the north to the battle of Armageddon. First, let us look at the unjust judges who will be judged by God. Woe to those who decree unrighteous decrees, who write misfortune, which they have prescribed. Isaiah 10 verse 1. Woe to those who decree unrighteous decrees, that is, hand down unrighteous decisions, which means judges are making judgments that are unjust. Judges should represent justice, but they do not give justice. The judge and the throne down here on the earth are to reveal his justice and are answerable to God ultimately. To rob the needy of justice and to take what is right from the poor of my people, that widows may be their prey and that they may rob the fatherless. Isaiah 10 verse 2. Now this verse is very much up to date, my friend. I think we are seeing the working out of this verse in our contemporary society, in our contemporary culture, because the courts are to hand down justice and mirror the justice of God. Yet they don't. Lawlessness abounds. People sink into degradation. Corruption is even right there. Sometimes you feel confused when corruption exists on the benches of justice. The idea of freedom has been distorted. Every criminal who is arrested ought to be given a fair trial. But in order that my family and your family can walk in the streets in peace, criminals will have to be punished. But what do we see? Many people who are guilt of crimes are set free by a soft-hearted, soft-headed judge or who will have been bought or bribed to pass on or to hand down an unjust judgment. The judge is not giving justice to me and my family or to you or to your family if the judge does so. Now, my friend, God mentions the poor and the widow and the fatherless. They are the ones who need justice. 
Now it is common knowledge that in many African nations, many of the programs that have been devised to help the poor have actually hurt the poor. What is wrong? The reason is that the only one who will give justice to the poor is God. Judges are supposed to represent God on the earth. Now today, many godless men are judges. They are in no position to judge at all until they recognize that they are representing God. God is dealing with principles, and until a judge represents God, he cannot represent the people. What will you do in the day of punishment and in the desolation which will come from afar? To whom will you flee for help? And where will you leave your glory? Isaiah 10 verse 3. God is still speaking to the judges. He is saying, you are to represent me and the day is coming when I am going to judge you. Now I feel that every judge ought to recognize the fact that he is one day going to stand before God and give an account of how he has handled his responsibilities here on earth, especially as a judge. Judges in our day seem to have bleeding hearts. They want to show mercy to the poor criminal. Well, they should be meting out justice in both rich and poor. In the day of reckoning, the unjust judge will stand before the just judge. Without me, they shall bow down among the prisoners, and they shall fall among the slain, for all his anger is not turned away, but his hand is stretched out still. Isaiah 10 verse 4 Now this distortion of justice works itself out in all strata of society. It affects all men and brings about deterioration and degradation. Today we are at a new law as far as morals are concerned. Yet God is still saying, if you turn to me, I will reach you. My hand is stretched out still. It's not that he is not going to judge. One day he will bring down judgment. Now the judgment of Assyria after she executes God's judgment on Israel is our next discussion. We come to the key of the passage actually. Here God makes one of the strongest statements in the Bible. And it is too much for many people. My friend, if you don't like it, Take your objections to God because he is the one who said it. Listen to him. Woe to Assyria, the rod of my anger and the staff in whose hand is my indignation. Isaiah 10 verse 5. You see, this is the key verse of the entire passage here. And it sheds light on the whole purpose of God. For this verse says he will use Assyria as a rod to chasten his people. Israel. Now, this is an amazing thing. God is using Assyria to discipline his people using a godless king, a godless nation. Well, the destruction which Assyria will wreck is what the hand of the Lord will wreck. This is difficult for modern men to understand, but it's God doing it. I will send him against an ungodly nation, and against the people of my wrath I will give him charge, to seize the spoil, to take the prey, and to tread them down like the myrrh of the streets. Isaiah 10 verse 6. 
You see, God goes so far as to say that he is responsible for sending Sennacherib, the Assyrian, against Israel and for sending the northern kingdom of Israel into captivity. Assyria here is a symbol of another kingdom in the north whom God will use even in the last days. Many Bible expositors believe that this verse has reference to the beast which will come out of the sea mentioned in Revelation chapter 13, who will be the ruler in the entire Roman Empire. Yet he does not mean so, nor does his heart sink so, but it is in his heart to destroy and to cut off not a few nations, for he says, Are not my princes altogether kings? Isaiah 10 verse 7 and verse 8. Now, if you had asked the Assyrian if he was being used as a rod to chasten Israel, the Assyrian king or even the soldier would have laughed at you. They would think such talk was ridiculous. Neither did the Assyrian have any notion that he was prompted by God, nor would he admit it. The Assyrians were having great victories on every hand, and their pride blinded them to their true status. Because they were resting on their own strength and supremacy, and were victorious everywhere they tend, they boasted. Now there are some rulers of nations who may be winning today, and may be boasting today. Please know that you can continue so far, because God is allowing you thus far. God overrules, though he may be using you to accomplish his purposes, but if you are proud, he will judge you. Therefore it shall come to pass, when the Lord has performed all his work on Mount Zion and on Jerusalem, that he will say, I will punish the fruit of the arrogant heart of the king of Assyria and the glory of his haughty looks. Isaiah 10 Verse 12. There it is, my friend. When God gets through using Assyria to punish his people, he will deal with the Assyrians and judge them for their pride, for their boasting, because they were not boasting in the Lord. They do not escape. Either history is a testimony to that fact. Assyria was destroyed. God judged them. Isaiah shows that God controls and judges all the nations of the earth. Now he asks a very pointed question. Shall the axe boast itself against him who chops with it? Or shall the saw exalt itself against him who saws with it? As if a rod could weld itself against those who lift it up, or as if a staff could lift up as it were not hood. Isaiah 10 verse 15. Now the picture painted here is you can imagine an axe out in the hood. You are walking through the woods and you hear something patting itself on the back and saying, Look at this big tree I cut down. You walk over to the axe and find nothing but the axe. You say to the axe, What do you mean you cut down the tree? The axe replies, The tree is down and I did it. You say that's silly. Well, somebody had to be using the axe, and that is exactly how it was with Assyria and the other nations of the world. 
It was God who was using Assyria, but Assyria was boasting as if she had done anything. And that is also true, my friends, for nations. That is true for individuals. Nations may be coming up to the apex of their development politically, economically. Individuals may be experiencing good health and their families are doing well and even their business is doing well. You cannot boast. It's God using you. God uses nations. That is the reason it is important for men today in our nations to recognize God. Men who look to God for leading and guidance. The Assyrians are only instruments in the hand of God. We move on now to the great tribulation and the preservation of the remnant. Now we see the vision of the Jewish remnant during the tribulation. Isaiah 10 verse 20 says, And it shall come to pass in that day that the remnant of Israel and such as have escaped of the house of Jacob will never again depend on him who defeated them, but will depend on the Lord, the Holy One of Israel, in truth. Now, you see, in this verse, Isaiah begins to look beyond the immediate circumstances which concern the Assyrian to that day. As we have seen, that day is the day of the Lord, which begins with the great tribulation period. Therefore, thus says the Lord God of hosts, O my people who dwell in Zion, do not be afraid of the Assyrian. He shall strike you with a rod and lift up his staff against you in the manner of Egypt. Isaiah 10 verse 24. Now, this is a word of comfort now to Judah, that she shall be spared from the captivity by the Assyrians. God is saying, do not be afraid. In fact, Judah needed to have put her trust in the Lord at this time. It shall come to pass in that day that his burden will be taken away from your shoulder and his yoke from your neck, and the yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing oil. That is Isaiah 10 verse 27. You see, the yoke will be broken even though the enemy would come. But take comfort. You will be spared. You will not get into the Assyrian captivity. However, God was still reserving the Babylonian captivity for them. We now move to the battle of Armageddon. Again, Isaiah moves beyond in that day. Here is Isaiah 10, verse 28 to verse 32. He has come to Aither. He has passed Megron at Michmash. He has attended to his equipment. They have gone along the ridge. They have taken up lodging at Geba. Rama is afraid. Gibeah of Saul has fled. Lift up your voice, O daughter of Galim. Cause it to be heard as far as Laish. O poor Anatod. Madmena has fled. The inhabitants of Gebim seek refuge. As yet he will remain at Nob that day. He will shake his fist at the mount of the daughter of Zion, the hill of Jerusalem. Now this is a very marvelous section of prophecy. 
it it gives here certain geographical locations all of them north of jerusalem and it shows the route taken by the assyria and of the future invader from the north the invader comes from the land of magog according to ezekiel chapter 38 and chapter 39 now notice the places mentioned is Aitha is about 15 miles north of Jerusalem Megron is south of Aitha and is the pass where Jonathan got a victory over the Philistines according to 1 Samuel chapter 14 Geba and Rama are about 6 miles north of Jerusalem Anathoth was about 3 miles north of Jerusalem you see this is the home of the prophet Jeremiah Laish or Laish is in the extreme north of Palestine in the tribe of Dan. Madmena or Daghil is the garbage dump north of Jerusalem. Gebim is probably north of Jerusalem as well. The exact site is not known. Nob is the last place mentioned and it is north of the city and in sight of Jerusalem. So this passage clearly charts the march of the enemy from the north which brings a state of paralysis and defeat to Jerusalem. Behold the Lord the Lord of hosts will loop off the buff with terror those of high stature will be held down and the haughty will be humbled he will cut down the thickets of the forest with iron and lebanon will fall by the mighty one isaiah 10 verse 33 to verse 34 you see god intervenes and he delivers his people according to isaiah chapter 37 verse 36 an angel of the lord slew 185000 assyrian soldiers the arrogant and the strong are wiped out in one stroke by the lord of hosts whom the assyrians had defied my friend i believe this is a reference to the second coming of christ to establish his kingdom i believe that the mighty one is christ when he comes to the earth during that time but what do we see we see victory he is the conqueror he is the winner the winners are those who are on christ's side in this time and even during the tribulation time and even in his kingdom you can have copies of the notes and outlines used for these living word for africa programs so you can follow them as you listen for your copies please write to the living word for africa po box 4232 kempton park 1620 south africa please say which book of the bible you want them for and be sure to include your name and contact information let me give you that address again it's the living word for africa po box 4232 kempton park 1620 south africa